Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. Well, the phones are ringing once again, and Mother Angelica is answering the call from her classic TV shows of the 80s and the 90s, and it's Mother Angelica answering the call, the program hosted by Doug Keck, along with my cohort, Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Great to see you again, Father. And always good to be with you, Doug, and to listen to Mother's uh, insights. And I think more and more I come to appreciate just the insights she had and, you know, the different different books that we've done mm-hmm. on different teaching shows she's had. I've learned so much, even though I learned much when she was here. But I think digging more deeply into these things have been very helpful for me, too. Right. Over time, the reflections become deeper, as you mm-hmm. say. So the topics we've got, Neil before the Eucharist, absolutely here. That's for truth. Uh, what is a mystic? A question a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. Blessed are those who endure, a lot of people out there suffering. First up, though, is Jesus is indeed present in the Holy Eucharist. Obviously, that's what Mother thought. (laughs) She did. (laughs) And there was a young millennial who thought, you know, people need to know that Jesus is really present in the Blessed Sacrament. His name, Blessed Carlo Acutis. And he wanted to do something about it with his computer genius. Mm-hmm. And so he created these Eucharistic miracles of the world, researching, visiting sites in Italy where he lived, and um, make cataloging all these miracles. Why? To help people to understand Jesus is manifesting the fact that he is there. Absolutely, and we were lucky enough to be able to actually do a a, a production, a documentary Mm -hmm. on his life, uh, which we did uh, cooperating with his his family, uh, and they were very Mm -hmm. happy with the program. And it's interesting through all of this because uh, the questioner talks about the the idea of, you know, kind of the Protestant understanding of seeing Mm -hmm. uh, the Blessed Sacrament as really a symbol, and Mother jumps into an old story about inclusive language in there. Remember that? (laughs) Oh, yes, I remember (laughs) that struggle quite well. So thank God that she stood up for that and uh, did the right thing for the catechism to be what it ought to be. (laughs) Right. The other point she makes here, which is really good, is the idea, will you accept that he is God and God can do whatever he pleases? Somehow, Mm -hmm. sometimes people think, well, how can he possibly do this? Well, how can he possibly do anything that he does? If we believe in the incarnation, and that's what Christianity is, and that means everything else follows, right? That if God became man and dwelt among us in in our midst, then there's nothing beyond what he can do and accomplish. And the way that he wanted to remain with us, St. Francis of Assisi said, was especially in the Eucharist. That's how he remains with us all days until the end of the world. Which is why we uh, provide Eucharistic adoration, and we invite you to visit him in your local church. Jesus is indeed present in the Holy Eucharist. We have a call. Hello? Good evening, Mother. Good evening. Where are you from? New York City. And what is your question? Uh, First, I'd like to tell you, you have the best show on television. (laughs) Thank you. There's a lot of garbage on TV, and uh, every show should be as uh, meaningful as yours. My question is, I have a friend who is Christian, and he says that Jesus is not present in the Eucharist. Mm. He says, the Bible tells the truth, and in the Bible it says, do this in remembrance of me. It's just a symbol of remembrance. How do I tell him he's wrong? What Bible is he using? Um, uh, Christians, I don't know what Bible they use. He said it's the same one as mine. I, I can't believe that if he says this. 
Let me see what it says. It doesn't say the, uh, a symbol. It says a doctrine. And you see, you don't give the Lord much credit for honesty if you don't believe the sixth chapter of John. Why? Our dear Lord, if he was speaking of a symbol, would not injustice allow people to walk away ignorant of truth. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, he is obliged, because he is God, he is obliged to tell me all the truth. Otherwise, how would I be responsible for my actions? How would he judge me if I didn't have a chance to know the truth? He can't judge my conscience if it's not enlightened. And so if it was a, a symbol, like I am the vine, you are the branches, that's obviously a symbol. If he was speaking of a symbol, then he used the wrong words. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, when these people left him, since he is God, he is the truth and the way and the life, then he would be obliged to say, don't walk away. Let me explain it to you. On a common sense level, and the common sense level is a, a rung to faith. It's an increase. I, common sense would tell me the Lord God who has promised me that he would be the way, the truth, and the life. And he says here, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not draw life from me. And whoever does eat my flesh and drink my blood draws life. So he is the life. He is the way. And so they walked around. And what did they say? This is intolerable language. Do you think the truth, the ultimate awesome truth that we call God would allow intolerable language if they misunderstood and they thought this is intolerable then he was obliged as God because when they walked away they incurred culpability See, don't don't give don't accuse our dear Lord of being unfair and unjust. And he says here, how could anyone accept this? That your friend can't accept it. So he misinterprets it because he cannot accept it. What's the difference? Now, what does the Lord say? Jesus was aware that his followers were complaining. What did he say? Does this upset you? This would have been the prime time to say, let me explain it. What if you were to see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? In other words, if this miracle upsets you, will you accept his resurrection? Will you accept his ascension? Will you accept that he is God and God can do whatever he pleases? It is the spirit that gives life, the flesh. See, when we think on a fleshy way, we can't give anything. 
There are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the outset who would not believe and the one who would betray it. And he said, this is why I told you that no one could come to me unless the Father allows him. If I have trouble with the Eucharist or you have trouble with the Eucharist, ask the Eternal Father to give you that faith. And as a follow-up, a perfect question calling up about the idea of kneeling before the Eucharist. Why is that important, do you think, Father? And Mother brings it out here that he is God and we are not, right? So I remember a story, and it was a secretary of Pope John Paul II, and it was right after Pope John Paul had been elected to the papacy, and they were preparing for his presentation the next day, and they couldn't find him. We said, we lost the Pope. And so they looked in the, did you look in the chapel? Yes. You didn't look low enough (laughs) because he was prostrate on the floor as he often would be found before the Blessed Sacrament. He understood that reality. He wrote so beautifully on the Eucharist and his own devotion to the Eucharist in his last encyclical, his uh, encyclical on the Blessed Sacrament. Right, and and he, Mother points out the idea that many t- that w- we see with the saints, Saint uh, Margaret Mary Ellicott, you know, the idea mm-hmm. of prostrating yourself before the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, obviously, even the vision of John in, in Revelation, the idea mm-hmm. of being prostrate. Uh, that it's not something the church made up to make you feel inferior to what's going mm-hmm. on, but it's because that is the Lord Himself. And even the Magi, they see the child Jesus, and it says they adored him. Some translations, they prostrated themselves before him. And the Fatima children, right, that they were instructed and they felt impelled to prostrate themselves just to point to that reality, that awesome reality of his real presence among us. Right, and I think that that's what's emblematic there is that idea that I'm sure it's not something they even think about doing. It's something mm-hmm. they automatically do because it's such a profound experience, right? Yes, and it's not like somehow we're demeaning ourselves. No, actually we're being elevated because we're acknowledging the one who is our very creator and who loves us with all of his love. Right, so make sure you kneel before the Eucharist. We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Where are you from? I'm from Fort Myers. Hey, what is your question? Before I say my question, I'm going to say, Mother, what this rule needs is a... More, a lot more heretics like you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Mother, um, I just started at a Catholic school yesterday. Thank God I've been praying that I'd get in, and I did. And yesterday we celebrated Mass with our bishop because he was visiting. Praise and God. I, was, I was glad that our bishop was going to be there. And then when it came time for that awesome presence to come down into that tiny little host, no one kneeled. I was shocked. What do I do, Mother? How old are you, honey? I'm 14. Thank God. Since you believe in the real presence, and I, it, it does my heart good to feel that a 14-year-old boy like you does believe with all your heart, I would kneel. No one can stop you from kneeling. You see, that's, that's Jesus. You're not an equal. You're a, you're a son of God. You kneel. Because he's God, you see. You, you know, 
questions like that you don't know how to answer makes your heart want to cry because he comes and we just stand there as if, oh, um, what's next? When you look in the past and the saints, they would go into ecstasy at that real present. When our Lord appeared to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, he wanted her to prostrate. You know what that means? It means to go down on your stomach with your head on the ground and your arms stretched out before his holy presence in the Eucharist. Prostrate. You read the lives of saint after saint after saint, and the Lord told them, prostrate yourself. When the angel appeared to the children of Fatima, did they all stand? As he had the, the chalice and the host there, he came down. I am Michael, he said. And St. Michael came down and prostrated himself on the ground before the real presence. The very angels of God prostrate themselves at that real presence. You'll be persecuted, sweetheart. You'll be called a heretic. That's the best club you could ever belong to. Because you believe. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us for part two of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. Doug Keck, as always, with Father Joseph Mary Wolf, our chaplain here. Next up, a question about what is a mystic? A lot of people might think Mother was a mystic. And that was going to be one of my points. Yes, that indeed <laughs> she was, because how would she have ever gone forward without a certain confidence and assurance within, right? That she had some special graces that gave her this confidence that this was not something that was Looney Tunes to start a, a TV network, but it was just a deep assurance and confidence within that God was impelling her and moving her to do this very thing. And it's interesting, too, because somebody, people might think, oh, well, Mother was, you know, chasing after the latest mystic of the week kind of mm -hmm. thing. But in, in this answer, she talks about the fact <laughs> that there's, they're, they're coming out of the woodwork. There's mm -hmm. a lot of pseudo Right. mystics out there, and you need to be careful. I couldn't help but think of a quote of Father Benedict Rochelle, because <laughs> it goes with what Mother said. Uh, you know, the world's going to end tomorrow. Promises, promises. <laughs> 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 when you live in Joyce, when you live in New York, <laughs> promises, promises. So, yes, we want to be ready, as the scriptures tell us, to always be ready and yet, we don't want to be focused on just those tribulation kind of aspects, but just to live right with God today. Right, and it's interesting to follow up on, on the earlier call in the first part of the show, the idea where Mother talks about, why don't you just go see Jesus in the Blessed mm. Sacrament as often as you're running after mystics, and I bet you'd be a holier person. <laughs> yes, and I think Father... Uh, Father Mitch's advice, too, right? Your meat is the scriptures, your potatoes, the catechism and teaching of the saints, and these other things, a little dessert, but just a little bit. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, 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 it's nice, but not too much of it. So let's see what Mother has to say about what is a mystic. We have another call. Hello? Where are you from? Uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, great. So what is your question? 
Well, Mother, I've heard the term mystic mm-hmm. and mysticism, but I've never really heard a definition for them. Hmm. Well, we have a lot of them today. <laughs> They're coming out of the woodwork. I think everybody, in some fashion, if you have deep faith, is a mystic. I believe that in this room, there are as many guardian angels as there are people. Now, somebody walking in, well, I don't see anybody but people. So faith is a kind of mysticism. Allows you to see and to understand what others do not see and do not understand. However, the word mystic is usually indicative of someone whose spiritual life is not ascetical, geared towards penance, geared towards a faith life, a faith in God, but a visionary where they see the Lord, Our Lady, mystics. Bernadette was a mystic. The children of Fatima were mystics. Uh, Padre Pio was a mystic. And their whole life, some of our good mystics, like Catherine of Siena, started at five, having her first vision in a mystical marriage at 11. Oh, gosh, you know, it's not an encouraging book to read, but it's a beautiful book to read. Today, I think we have an awful lot of pseudo-mystics. We have a lot of people who think good thoughts, and they think they're from the Lord. Very difficult today. Our Lord gave us a good rule of thumb, and as by their fruit, you know them. If a mystic came to me and said, God said to me, he didn't rise from the dead, that's a lie. He did rise. So that mystic is either misinformed or needs some help. If someone comes to me and would say, the Lord said tomorrow, the world's coming to an end. I would say, hallelujah. But I wouldn't believe it <laughs> until it happened. You see, I would have to wait patiently and get up in the morning and say, well, Lord, I hope this is the day. And if it's the sun is shining and everybody's happy and everybody's having their good times and bad times and all the rest, and I know this particular person misunderstood, talked to themselves or somebody else. If we went to see the, of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament as often as we run after mystics, we'd be a holier people. And I'm sure Our Lady has been appearing many places. Can you say every place? Nobody can say that. By their fruit, you know them. And it makes sense to me, anyway, that if the things in the world are as bad as we even feel they are. Our Lady has to do something for her children. So to live a mystical life is to have a deep spiritual life that is pretty much geared towards locutions, that's hearing the, the Lord's voice or Our Lady or anyone else that is holy. The visions, various degrees of contemplation, transforming union, all of these are indicative of a deep contemplative life with God. And I think there are many, many, many hidden, hidden mystics today. They have to be because of the times we live in. But you have to be very careful 
you don't accept hook, line, and sinker, everybody that says, thus saith the Lord. See, you, got to, you, you have to exercise prudence and faith and patience. I get letters in the mail that thick. I read them. But you can't act on any of them, you see. You've got to wait and see. Time will tell. And wrapping up this week's program, blessed are those who endure. It's tough to endure, though, isn't it, Father? Yes, and Mother refers to Psalm 73, a psalm that we often have in our divine office. And it really does raise the question, well, why does everybody who's living a sinful life seem to be doing so well? And so the psalmist says that for them there are no pains, their bodies are sound and sleek, they have no share in men's sorrows, they are not stricken like others. And then the temptation to, well, give up the faith. How useless to keep my heart pure and wash my hands in innocence. When I was stricken all day long, suffered punishment day after day. Then I said, if I should speak like that, I should abandon the faith of your people. But then it concludes, how slippery the paths on which you set them. You make them slide to destruction. They suddenly come to their ruin. So that's what Mother is saying. Well, let's look at the end. You know, what is important is the end. And let us persevere so that we might have the end of glory. Well, I think a lot of us in the world we live in today in the media uh, are living with the picture of Doreen Gray, or the portrait of Doreen mm. Gray, where uh-huh. they're from the outside it looks like mm-hmm. it's fine, but uh, inside, uh, you know, it's, uh, our Lord said, you know, he whitewashed sepulchers on, on the outside, but inside dead man's bones. And that same mm-hmm. idea that, that, that people's lives are much more horrific than it seems to be on the outside on their Facebook page. Yeah. So don't trust those images. Look for authenticity. Look for what is real. Stick with what endures. And Mother Angelica is anything. She's authentic. Blessed are those who endure. We have another call. Hello? Hi, Mother. Hi, where are you from? I'm from East Long Little, Massachusetts. And what is your question? Well, first of all, I have to say, you are a riot. I love you. (laughs) Um, And my question is, I was just wondering, my whole life I have been ill since I was a child, and I've had one surgery after another, and um, I'm 35 years old, and just when I thought everything was fine, now I have another serious illness and I my question is I don't understand why we suffer and the second part of the question is why are there so many good people that suffer when there's so many bad people out there that nothing ever happens to them Hmm. yeah the psalmist had the same problem and one time he said why is it they're sleek they're healthy they got all kind of uh, uh, wealth and everything else. He said, why is it, you see? And then he said, I tried to figure it out. And then one day I began to think, aha, what is their last end? It, it comes back to you, sweetheart. I, I know, I know for sure what you mean, you know. I, I don't remember a day, even before I knew Jesus, when I was 18 or 19, even before that, I, I never knew a day I didn't have a problem or didn't have a pain or something, you know. And then when I began to know the Lord, I asked the same question, you know. 
And I realized that it was a privilege. I, I know it's hard for you to understand what I'm going to say, because the world tells you something else. Suffering in any form, and I don't care what it is, we all suffer something. There's no, nobody in the world that does not suffer from something. But see, that's a wonderful thing. Oh, I take and I took two Tylenol before I came down here, you know. But the important thing is that when I am suffering in any manner, spiritual, physical, mental, whatever, loneliness, I resemble Jesus. And the Father looks at you in all your pain, and he sees his son in a most beautiful way. And, and that is what's making you holy. Don't rebel. You may not understand. I don't understand. But God never asks us. He never said, blessed are those who understand. See, he never said that. Blessed are those who endure, who carry their cross. See? And, and he said, learn of me. I am meek and humble of heart. What does that mean? He accepted the Father's will with joy. See? Now, you on your part can save many souls, many, especially priests and religious who have lost their way. They're going a whole different way. It's a dangerous way. Pray for priests, for religion. Say, Lord, I offer this pain to you to save souls. You, you have an enormous capability, number one, of creating great holiness, number two, by accepting it to doing the will of God in an awesome way, and third, to save souls. See, God trusts you with pain. He trusts you to accept it with love. I will pray for you and for all of us that have crosses that we cannot understand. If we can accept them, even though they're painful, then we can overcome and we can become holy. That's the whole thing. What a shame to live this entire life. I miss the boat. We don't need to do that. Whatever it is, be it ever so small, give it to Jesus. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.